I want to show you an aspect of God this morning that has that mystified me and eluded me for a number of years. Uh, let's first read a couple verses. You, you probably will not be able to turn to these as fast as I go to them, but Hebrews chapter 12, verse 29 is the main New Testament verse. It's the same verse I used to preach on in 2014 when I repeated the 2000 sermon 14 years later. Um, but this one is the same text, but it's really a completely different message. Um, it's a really short verse, 1229 of, of uh, Hebrews basically says, For our God is a consuming fire. And then in Deuteronomy, it's repeated in the Old Testament first, of course, Deuteronomy 424, For the Lord thy God is a consuming fire, even a jealous God. And it adds that on there. A jealous God. I think you need to note that. Uh, but when the college kids come back for the Christmas break, it stirs the Holy Spirit up. It does. Because the Holy Spirit then begins to stir me up for them. And so today is something he gave me for, for the younger. Now, you older folks don't check out on me. But uh, the truth is, this is for folks... Uh, especially beginning in their Christian experience. I've read these verses uh, that God is a consuming fire, and, and typically I take it that God is a fearsome and dangerous, it, the aspect of God is fearsome and dangerous, especially for violators. The fact that um, God is to be re revered and respected, awed, all true, by the way. I take the aspect normally that God is not one you better mess around with uh, because he's able to do you damage that nobody else is able to do you. And they find that in Matthew chapter 10, verse 28, where it says, Jesus' words, and fear not them which kill the body. <laughs> now, you know, if somebody came in the back here with a machine gun and started shooting us, uh, you probably have some fear. But in the big picture, God says, don't, don't really, even though nobody wants to die and there's a certain amount of, of fear of the human humanity we have, he said, that's not who you really want to fear. He says, uh, but are not able to kill the soul. In other words, men can kill your body, but they can't kill your soul, he says. But rather fear him, which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. And then, uh, this is in Matthew, I'm reading another version, another uh, uh, gospel that says, fear him. Fear him. I picked that up early on in my Christian experience. I go, whoa. Well, that's not what we're preaching about today, but I at least want to mention that. That's the normal way this verse is taken and should be. I want to show you today another aspect of God as a consuming fire. Uh, something that hopefully will help you and, 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 and very likely could change your direction. Our God, no doubt, 
is a consuming fire in the sense that he wants to consume all of you. God is not happy with half-heartedness. It doesn't take long to learn that God will not work with lukewarm. Most of you that read the Bible know his attitude on lukewarm. It's pretty radical. He don't want lukewarm. He wants you all in or nothing. He says, I'd rather have you to be completely out, cold. I mean, out cold, not knocked out, but out, paying no attention, or all the way in. But he said, when you're halfway in, it nauseates me, makes me sick. Because he's worthy of all of it. He's worthy of everything we got. And it's an insult to be halfway in. God is not happy with that. I think of of the best illustration I've ever heard, and I've repeated it a few times, I'm sure, is uh, at summer camp. Summer camp. How many have ever been to summer camp? Raise your hand. Summer camp. I've never been to summer camp. you believe that? Never been. Uh, I miss that somehow. But my dad had a camp for me called Mixing Mud all summer. That was his camp. But it wasn't spiritual, but it helped me to do stuff. The summer camp, at the end of summer camp, usually, man, it's a, it's, a, it's a four or five days of intense excitement, intense games. You know, they keep the kids going from dark to dark, and even in the evening, they have, and then eventually that last day, young, a lot of young people have made decisions for Jesus. A lot of young people have gotten rid of some trash in their life and some of the baggage that they've, they've picked up, and, and, and a lot of the young teens have, have gotten clean during camp, and they come to that last night, that kind of consummation of the whole thing, and they build a little fire. Usually they'll gather this. They, they either have a permanent uh, stadium set up, or if they don't, they gather a semicircle around uh, a picture, if you would, maybe a six-foot circle, uh, but, a, but a fairly relatively small fire in it. And, and then a man comes out and begins to preach to them and challenge them to give their life to Christ, um, but not just part of it. He, wants to, he says challenges them to give their whole life. Now, you know, they're, they're 16, 17, 18-year-old, they have, far as we know, most of their life ahead of them. I've been there. I know what it feels like. And, and the, uh, the preacher says, why don't you give your life to God? And ask them, and by the way, before, before all this, each one, when they, when they came to the campfire, were, they were given a stick, just a little old small stick, dry stick, about that long, maybe about that big around. Nothing much. Useless, really. I mean, for anything. Nobody, it was not good enough wood to make anything out of. It's kind of a useless stick. And each one of the young campers is given a stick. And the preacher preaches, and eventually he says, he challenges them if they would be willing to cast their life or that little stick representing their life, would they be, would be really by itself is worthless, would they be willing to cast that stick into that fire, which isn't very large at the time, would you be willing to do that? And, this, and, and one, one at a time begin to, one to stand up, willing to come down, they'll walk down, they'll walk by the fire, and in representation of their life, they'll, they'll cast that little stick into the fire and go on and sit down. Before long, the Spirit of God begins to move among that crowd, and, and, and they line up. They're, they get a whole line of teenagers lined up, and, and they cast in their stick in. And each time they cast that stick in, that's a life that's being cast in for the kingdom of God. Because, you know, there's a lot of things that pull on you in this life. There's a lot of voices out there saying, follow me, follow me, follow me. 
But the voice of the Holy Spirit is recognizable over all those other voices. I can't explain it. But I can tell you this is the way it is. And the Holy Spirit will come by and say, cast your life in with me. You say, well, you know, and there's all kinds of argumentation goes on. I got, I want to do this, I want to do that. But eventually you come down, as these campers did, not all of them, but some of them, they came down with their sticks. They said, I'm willing to, whatever it is, whatever, whatever. Because God, God oftentimes doesn't tell you what's ahead of you. But whatever it is, give me your life. Give me your life. Whatever's left of it, you know, the kid looks at that stick and says, my life's like this stick's not worth very much. Really hasn't done much. Not able to do much alone. But by the grace of God, I'm going to give my life for whatever it's worth to the kingdom of God. So they go by the fire. And pretty soon, though, and you know what happens, pretty soon that fire gets big. Pretty soon that fire gets like a bonfire. Pretty soon they can't get very close. Pretty soon the influence of that fire begins to push those campers back away from what they used, and so they come by, and they, you know, the heat's so intense, they throw it, especially with girls with a lot of hairspray. All I can tell you, don't get too close to fire. But the, they throw it in, and pretty soon there's a huge raging fire that once was a small fire, but now it's a huge bonfire with great influence. No one stick created that. But many of those little sticks put together created this massive bonfire. And if I may say such is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said it in Mark chapter 8 verse 35. It says, whosoever will save his life shall lose it. That's in this life. There are people out there this, mo this morning and this week are literally trying to uh, scratch and claw their, their, their mark out in this world. But I don't care who you are, in two, three hundred years, nobody's going to remember who you are. Uh, even if you're remembered after three, four hundred years, it won't be much. He says, whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels. That's why I like Mark 8.35. Whosoever will lose his life, cast that little stick in to the kingdom of God for Jesus' sake and for the gospel's sake, the good news, the same shall save it. At 18 years old, I took my little stick, which was, which was a little crooked, dry, useless, worthless stick. And I just said, okay, God, I'm going to obey your Holy Spirit and I'm just going to throw it in. I don't know what in the world you're going to ever do, but I'm just going to throw it in. So I threw it in. And all I can say is 67 years old, I'm sure happy today that I threw it in. I'm sure glad. You know the beauty, beautiful thing about the Christian experience is when you live for God, you don't have a bunch of regrets. You don't go and say, oh, I wish, I wish, I wish. No, you've done the will of God step by step as he's opened the door. And as you've seen it, you've walked through the door. Though he doesn't show you much past the door, I can tell you by the end of this thing, you're going to be a happy person that you live for God. I buried a lot of saints. I can tell you it's a beautiful thing to bury a saint of God. Gene Powell's coming up another one, which she's already buried, but we're going to do a memorial service for. It's a beautiful thing. It's not a sad thing. 
I'm honored and privileged to be able to do a memorial service for an old saint of God who threw her stick in at 18 years old. She's about 18 too. Her and Chris Powell. And gave their life for Jesus Christ. Our God is a consuming fire in the sense that he wants to extract something from you that you do not know you have. Oh, I want you to get that. When I was hunting up at uh, Max Georgie's camp, hunting camp up there in a place called Reed City or close to Reed City on Michigan. How many here know where Reed City is? Anybody? I went to the hospital in Reed City. Nice people. The only thing is they keep sending me all these bills. I think the people in Michigan, they want their money. But I went up there, and, and Max has this uh, double wide. We stay in, we'll call it the hunting cabin. And he has a, a, a big old fireplace at the end of this living room, you know. And, and trust me, it was cold. 15 degrees, 20 degrees. My refrigerator is way warmer than that. My freezer, I'm not sure, goes below 20. But I was, we were up there. I'd go in three hours and freeze and all lose, lose part of my body parts. And I'd make my way back to the cabin, man, get in front of that. First thing we'd do is walk inside and get in front of that. He'd have that fire stoked up, man. Oh, oh George, uh, oh, oh, Max, he'd have that fire stoked up. We'd get a, oh, trust me, there is about no better feeling than to just get absolutely frozen to death. And then be able to get in front of a fire well, I had been in Florida all these years. I haven't been cold in years. I got from that fire, and I was going to put that, and then do this side, you know. Oh, that's good. And you need two fires, and you need to get in between them. But nevertheless, you know, he stacked the wood. He said, now, I got my one-year-old wood over here, and I got my two-year-old wood over here. Now, the two-year-old wood, that's that dry wood, really dry. Two years. Two-year-old wood, one-year-old. They were about, they cut about two feet long, you know, split. You know what I'm talking about most of you? And so he had the stack of the two-year-old, the stack of the one-year-old. And I said, the one-year-old wood's pretty green and kind of wet and it really don't burn well. So I put, I take some of that two-year-old wood put in there and I take that one-year-old wood put on top of it and get it going. He heated that whole place. Really, he heated that whole place with a fireplace. I'm sitting there getting warm one night and we're eating chestnuts by an open fire. Jack Frost nipping at my nose. He did. He cooked chestnuts. I've never had a chestnut in my whole life. How many here were voting today? How many had chestnuts? They're sweet. Chestnuts are, oh, they're sweet. The American chestnut. And anyway, he had the American chestnuts on that open fire in that pan, and he cooked them, brought them out. They were warm, kind of warm. We started eating these chestnuts and the fire. It's just really idyllic, you know. But I looked over there at that wood, and that wood was dry and split and had once been a tree, you know, and now it's just a couple pieces, a whole stack of wood. And I thought, the Holy Spirit whispered in my ear. He said, you see them? They're worthless. Can't build furniture out of them. Really good for nothing. But when they're put on that fire, they produce warmth. They influence for good out of that wood, and it hit me. Man, that's what God wants to do with me. I'm a worthless piece of wood, and God wants to take me. If I will, if I will allow myself to be 
subjected to the consuming fire of God, each, my life which was dry, which was dead, and really which was cold, not able to really do any eternal good, now has become a, a tool in the hands of God to comfort people, to help people, to indeed save them from the cold of this world. Give them hope where they had no hope. Give them, for, allow them to be able to tell them and influence them for forgiveness with the gospel where they were guilty and downtrodden. God wants to use your life to warm somebody else that is desperately cold. And if I may say dead to God. Useless as an old piece of wood just laying there. But God wants to be the consuming fire. By the way, as I would get up at about 2 in the morning, I told you to get up at noon, you know, midnight, 2. I'd get up, and it'd be a little chilly in the house because uh, the, the wood had been consumed by the fire, and, and it started getting pretty low and not too much heat. So I would go over there to the, uh, Max doesn't know this, his daughter's here, but don't tell him. I would go over that 2-year-old wood, and, which he thought was real rare. I thought, well, I'm using that 2-year-old. He's not here. I'm put it, I put a couple, three, four pieces of that two-year-old wood on top of that, and that thing would flame back up, boy, pretty soon, and I'd go back to bed. And you know, God needs new wood. God needs new wood on the fire of the kingdom of God regularly, because some of us old logs are getting burnt out. I won't name any names, but... We're getting consumed. Is that not what's happening? We're being consumed. We don't have as much oompa-pa as we used to. We don't have as much energy as we used to. Well, some of you younger logs, you can go to church and say, preacher called me a, a log? I think of my mom and dad. My mom and dad uh, were the first to be saved in their family. My dad had seven siblings. He had three brothers, four sisters. His dad was an alcoholic. I mean, really a drunk. Come home, get the DTs shaking on the floor and stuff like that. Bad, bad, bad drunk. And they were poor, dirt poor. Hand-me-down clothes, hand-me-down shoes, stole for food, stole, uh, get on the railroad, throw coals off so they could have heat in the house, stuff like that. Depression, you know, 1929, 30. And raised in a rough environment. In 1953, Ori just somehow believed my dad, Ori. I call him Ori and Lorraine. They told me to, so I'm obedient. Ori uh, began to feel like there had to be something more in life than this. There just had to be something more in getting up, going to work, eating, going to bed. There just has to be something. So there was a little church down the way. He preached the Bible. He, he dressed up as, uh, his three lovely little children and took us to church. My mom wouldn't go because she didn't know what it was and didn't want to get involved. They never had gone to church, both of them heathen pretty much. No church background. But God's looking for wood in some of the strangest places. And you know, my dad went there one Sunday, went there again the second Sunday, went there the third Sunday, and third Sunday he told the preacher, why don't you come over to the house? My wife won't come, but why don't you come on over to the house? And so 
Harold Hofflinger. Harold Hofflinger, which had been 10 years in prison for bank robbery. 10 years in prison for bank robbery, was released and became a pastor. I thank God for bank robbers that give their life to Jesus. And so, Harold Hoffner thrown his little, whatever he had left in his life, which was pretty maimed after that bank robbery. He threw it in, became a preacher of this little church down the road, figured out he'd never preach over 20, 30 people. But of those 20, 30 people was my mom and dad. And my mom and dad went in there, and, and then eventually he came over to the house and told them about the gospel. The gospel. That they were sinners unable to save themselves, or were going to someday face God and answer for their sin. Jesus had loved them and came and died for them, shed his blood, paid the debt that they owed, and now offered to them the free gift of eternal life through simple faith in his Son. That was, that, that was that died, was buried, and resurrected the third day. If they believe in that, the simple childlike faith, God save them, give them a new life. They got on their knees beside the sofa out of respect and said, Jesus, save us. I don't remember any of that because I was two years old. But he threw in his stick. She threw in her stick. What did that do? The consuming fire of God began to kindle that wood and began to, began to go through their family. His, his seven siblings made professions of faith. His mom got saved. His dad got saved. I knew, his dad, I knew Grandpa Lytell when he was saved. Uh, it went it went further than that. It went down to the children of the siblings. Uh, it went to me, and and, and I, I from me it went to my wife Kathy, girlfriend Kathy Moore. She got saved. She was the first one saved out of a whole Catholic family. They were religious but weren't saved. Went to church a couple times a year, and it went to Kathy Moore. Then it went to uh, her mother. She got saved. Her brother got saved. His wife got saved. Uh, the, the, her, the, the, her brother's two children got saved. Their husbands got saved. The children have been saved. Uh, my son came along. He got saved. His kids got saved. A fire that turned into being from a little nothing fired and now got to be a bonfire for the grace of God. But you got to keep throwing wood in. Some of you are here today that possibly haven't thrown your life in with the kingdom of God yet. You're on the edge of it. You're looking at the fire. You see the fire. You recognize the fire. You know it's existent. But you haven't honestly thrown your stick in. You're still living for yourself. Your life's wasting away. Folks, whatever happens, don't get through this thing without throwing your stick into God's fire. Why? He's a consuming fire. Our God is a consuming fire. And buddy, that fire just keeps on burning. The devil thinks he's going to, the devil wants to blow it out. And when the devil tries to blow it out, the wind ignites it further. We had a big wind at our house the other day. In fact, you probably had it in town here. We had a big wind. We have a big wind out at my place. That's, that's palmetto burning time. I mean, do you know, anybody know what I'm talking about? That's palmetto burning time. 
When you have a big wind, brother, you, you light that palmetto, whoo, it goes through it and clean that thing right up. Just hope it doesn't take your neighbor's house out. The fire keeps on burning. All of, all of you, all of you are in God's fire. Remember, if you've been born again, he's, he's allowed you to be in his fire and extent that you're part of the kingdom of God, but have you given your life, your potential to him? God is a consuming fire and wants to make something eternal out of your life, something lasting out of your life. And if I may say it this way, your life is literally fuel for God. God. Jesus doesn't come down here, walk around men and say, you need to be saved, you need to be saved. He doesn't live before them a testimony. No, you do that. You do that. You do that. You walk before him, work before him, uh, exercise the word of God before him, show him that there's something better than this old filthy uh, double-crossing uh, wicked world. And the Bible says the whole world lieth in wickedness. There's something better than this. Yeah, there is. God wants you to have it. He will not force it, though. It must be voluntarily. It must be you tossing it in. And by the way, it must be real. It must be real. And it must be total. But boy, God wants to make light out of your life. He wants to make, he wants to lighten this old dark world. He wants to produce some heat for the kingdom of God in a cold, cold place. He wants to comfort. He wants to produce some comfort out of your life in a world of cruelty and harshness and pain. And brother, don't we need some comfort? Fire, by the way, if I may make a note of this, is contagious. I always get a, Shock at how contagious fire is. I mean, it just, just, just spreads. And the more it spreads, the quicker it spreads. The hotter it gets. It spreads powerfully and completely and consumes everything in its path. God has taken over everything in my life and my wife's life. 18-year-old kids started wrong, rebellious, repented, got right with God. Took our little stick and threw it in. Didn't think God was going to do anything through us. But one thing is, we left nothing out. We threw it all in. In my life, in my wife's life, everything we got is his. It's all given to him. It's all thrown in. Why? So that others won't miss out. God gives you a little, a little uh, open window to see how, how wonderful it is that others can come with you. When somebody, because of you, trusts Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and their life changes and they begin to throw their life in with God, there is nothing better in this world than that. To see a life changed? Wow. I've seen it. I want to see it more. My, my old thing is I'm not satisfied. <laughs> I want more. I want to see more fire. God's a consuming fire. By the way, God's consuming fire is not a wildfire. Not a wildfire. I think of the Hebrews 11. I think of the 17 mentioned, but there's more, but there's 17 mentioned heroes of the faith. Of all those mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11, they have one thing in common. They threw their life in with God. 
They, now, they have all kinds of diverse outcomes, uh, all kinds of diverse responses that God did for them, but they all threw their life in with God. Noah threw his life in with God. David threw his life in with God. Those people that are mentioned in that book, uh, in chapter 11, the hero, we call them the heroes of the faith, but you can go in more contemporary heroes of the faith. William uh, uh, Carey, what did he do? He threw his life in for God. What did Adoniram Judson do? He threw his life in for God. Uh, what did Hudson Taylor do? He just threw his life in for God. They didn't know what God was going to do through them. They didn't know where it was going to lead. They didn't know how it was going to happen. But one thing was for sure is they were total, and they had given their life to God, and there it is. Do with me what you want to do. And God said, ooh, I can do great and mighty things. I can do great and mighty things for you, which you'll know not. I don't think Adoniram Judson would have even thought that God was going to do what he did in Burma. I don't think William Carey had a clue what he was going to have, what he was going to do in India. Hudson Taylor had no clue what was going to happen in China. Just go through the list of contemporary heroes or old time, and all of them have this. They threw their life in for God. Pastor Crabb throwing his life in for God. Doctor Gillespie throwing his life in for God. Will you? It's by faith. If you've got to know where you're going to go and what God's going to do with you, it's not going to work. You've got to say, God, here I am. Send me. I'll throw my life in, whatever you want to do. And let me tell you, I can almost guarantee you, you'll not outguess God. A God that makes snowflakes, no two of them alike, has the ability to make a, make a fire out of you and, and, a, and a life with your life that you're not going to be able to forecast where, who, what, why, how. Amen? You're not going to be able to do it. But he'll do it. And as you go down that life, and some of these people that are here this morning, they've already pretty much been down that path, and they just got a, they just got a, little, a little piece of wood left. <laughs> it's got a little piece of wood. It's, it's just an ember. Ember. But you that, are, you that are good cooks know that those embers is what, those are what really cook some good food, those embers. God will use you all the way to the end. He'll use you. And if I may say this, he'll use you after all that you have is burned up. Gene Powell, the dead yet speaketh. Gene's gone in heaven, yet her influence is going to continue on even past. Man, with her four kids, four boys, and all of there, and all that goes on. Whoa, that's the beauty of this, isn't it? Have you given your heart to Christ? You know him as your personal Savior. That's the first thing you do. You come to him, repent of your sin, trust him as your Savior. I've talked to people that said, Brother Bill, the day I got saved, I threw my stick in. Wow, i am be honest with you. I'm thrilled about that, but that's not always the way it goes. A lot of times people get saved, and they pretty much control their life and what they're doing and how they're doing it. They have not given it to God. They're saved. Spirit of God comes in and begins to deal with them. They begin to read the Bible some. And maybe at some service down the road or something happens, God brings them. Every child of God this morning is brought to the decision I'm bringing to you. Have you given your life for God's kingdom? Because He's not going to be happy till you do. 
That doesn't mean everybody's a preacher, everybody's in the full-time Christian, you want to call full-time Christian service? I think everybody's full-time Christian service, whether you get paid or not. What's that got to do with it? The point being that you're looking every morning to him, and you're saying, what do you want me to do today? Where do you want me to go? How, you know, and you read the Bible, and it tells you how to be. The Holy Spirit gives you the power to do what you read. Boom. You're a powerful Christian walking in this world. I like what Brother Getz said. And I've heard it before, but I like it. No, no matter how much there's darkness, can't put out one light. One little light can't be put out by all the darkness combined. I'll stop with this. I've sold the illustration. How many have been to Mammoth Cave? We're voting today. Mammoth Cave. Let's go eat together. It's 55 degrees in Mammoth Cave, 365 days a year. I think Mammoth Cave goes down. I better be careful about this. I'm a little shaky on this statistic. But Mammoth Cave goes down a long way. I was going to say a mile, but I don't think it's that far below the surface. But it goes way down. And the old guy, he sets you all down and he turns the lights off. My, my highlight of the whole thing. You're like a half, let's say a half a mile. I actually don't know. I need to look it up. Ask Siri. We're down there. He turns the lights off. And you've been down there, Don? And it's like this, man. I cannot see my hand right here. I put my hand up here. I cannot see it. I cannot see my wife beside me. I, she, he asked everybody, anybody, anybody going to scream? I mean, you don't know what's going to happen, right? You turn the lights off. And it's pitch black. And then he takes this big lighter. Because when he went, he said, this is the only light I'm bringing with me. And we thought, we looked at each other, honestly, at the beginning of the cave and said, Oh, brother. Oh, brother, this guy don't have any safety equipment, don't have any light. What's the deal? I mean, I was serious about it. He had a little big lighter. He said, this is my only light. And I go, oh, man. Ken, this guy's crazy. But I thought, hey, I'm crazy too. Let's go. So we went down to the bottom. He lit that big lighter. Now, he's got to be from here to about halfway back. And he, he does that little big lighter, and the whole cave lit up. Honestly, I could see all the people. I could see the people. One little flame. That's you. Give yourself to Jesus, and he'll light up a bunch of folks. Father, help us this morning. Help us to not hold back, not because of fear or intrepidation. As, as, as Jesus said, no, don't fear him who has the power to kill the body. God forbid that you'd live through this life and miss Jesus. Oh, dear one. But may the, may the folks in this room, by the blessed Holy Spirit, that have not thrown their life in with God yet, throw it in. Say, today is the day. I'm going to throw my life in. There has to be a moment in time. I don't have much to offer, but what I have offer, I'm willing to throw it in. I'm going to give it to God. You're serious. You're real. You need God's help. Sure you do. Sure you do. It's by faith. Have you given your life to Jesus? Let him guide you. Let him direct you. Who knows where you're going to end up? But I'll tell you this. Wherever you end up, it'll be a good place. Father, help us now. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com 
Or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you and God bless.